Thank you all so much for joining me. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full-time in our life. We ask that you allow us to receive your word today. Let our hearts stay soft and melty for you so that we can retain the information. God, all of the information that is in our hearts and minds that you didn't put there, God, we ask that you just uproot it up out of us, Lord God, and just seal it with your blood so no bad or evil seeds will enter or even attempt to re-enter, God. So replace the information that we already that you that you're uprooting out of us replace it with with those things that you want us to have that is in your word father god and let those things sprout and grow inside of our hearts our minds and our thoughts and our actions and reactions so god we ask that you please just plant seeds and water seeds in our hearts and minds in a way where we can demonstrate it in our everyday lives and um, also influence others to do the right thing as well. And so, God, we just thank you right now that we have the mind of Christ. Thank you for giving us the ability to think like you and to act like you, God. So we want more of you. And so we thank you for giving us your mind, Jesus. So thank you for having the mind of Christ. And so we ask that no weapon formed against us shall prosper in Jesus' name, that no man no woman, no one shall deceive us because we have the mind of Christ. And so, God, we thank you so much for being able to read your word, to have access to you, access to the Holy Spirit. We thank you for being um, 30,000 steps ahead of every situation and circumstance. God, we just ask that you continue to guide us and lead us in the path that we should go, specifically making sure that we stay in the path of righteousness at all times, being sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit that can lead us into fulfilling your plan, will, and purpose, God. So we thank you. We give you glory, praise, and honor. We ask that you fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to be quickened by the Holy Spirit and obedient by obedience to the Holy Spirit. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling me up. I just pray that you lead me in this discussion. Allow me to discuss everything that I need to today. Um, don't let me forget anything. And let me be open and transparent and make sure that I'm vulnerable um, in the discussion. And um, God, we just ask that you also allow us to influence others through the power of your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen. Hey, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today on Laws, Life, and Health. Let's talk about it. Um, so today, I am talking about women's health. I want to kind of um, keep in the same topic of the power of influence. So the first thing that I want to talk about today is um, I want to talk about my life, right? And how my day was impacted. So when you're when you're accustomed to living a certain type of lifestyle and you get sort of these interruptions. So for me, I had one of my close friends um, just constantly call me today and it was just so much negativity, so much negative news, so much negative information so much you know focus into what the devil is doing the devil is doing that and the devil is doing this and you know it was a shooting there and it was you know like so i guess some things happened in chicago today i actually didn't know anything about it but i looked it up online and i saw that it was like a mass shooting at, at a halloween party and so i wanted to pray for these people that it said it was third i think it said 12 people injured and um including three children so 
it was 15 people that was injured in Chicago, um, on Chicago's west side at a Halloween party. So let's just take some time out right now and pray for these people. So, Father God, we just come boldly once again to your throne of grace. We thank you so much for just being able to talk to you about this. And, God, we just ask that you heal all the wounds of those people that were inflicted with gunshot wounds in the Chicago land area on the west side. Father God, we ask that, that we're just pretty much anywhere, Father God, anywhere in the Chicago land area where there is shooting, God. We ask that you provide healing to their bodies from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, God. We ask that you heal their emotional, their emotional trauma, including their um uh physical trauma that they are experienced. God, any and all mental, mental type, mental uh psychological pain that they're experiencing with all of these um gunshots and things that are taking place around the city god we just ask that you provide them with healing we speak life to them we speak abundance and so god we ask that you will transform their lives so that they will not have to experience these traumas that are going to negatively impact them so god we rebuke negative traumas from their life god we rebuke all of those things so we pray in jesus name that they will not be impacted by any of the traumas of either physical or spiritual God. And so we ask that you deliver them into righteousness, Father God, and give them the peace that is needed in order for them to overcome the physical, mental, and emotional traumas that they have experienced that being um, either shot or being a victim of either directly or indirectly or even seeing someone else get hurt, God. So allow families to come together and um, provide encouragement to each other where they can all sustain in this situation god so we just thank you right now we speak life healing and prosperity to all of those people that have been impacted but either directly or indirectly in the name of jesus christ and so we seal it in your blood amen so i wanted to talk about this specifically um so i have quite a bit of friends i have a lot of friends i know a lot of people i have a large network of people that i've that i know and I've known for a long time. And so that doesn't equate to me talking to everyone every single day. So pretty much the way that my days are um, conducted, I don't do too much talking. Um, the only time I'm talking a lot is if I'm ministering to people or if I'm doing my podcast or if I'm working. So most most of my days are is pretty quiet. Um, I'm reading and I'm praying to God. And so I don't really try to deviate too much into negativity. And so um today I was I was impacted by the influence of negativity and it somewhat was bothersome and it was a bit overwhelming. And and guess what? Sometimes we have things that happen in our life where we have these disruptors. There's disruptions that take place in our life that causes us to sort of deviate from what God has planned. But we have to always remember that no matter the influence and no matter the person who um, is being used to influence your focus um, or your determination, it could be someone influencing your motivation, your confidence intervals. It, there are a lot of different influences in this world. And so influences can, you know, it can impact the trajectory or the future of what you know, your life can be. 
And the way that we deal with these um, interruptions in life is through God. We call on God. And so anytime I'm experiencing, if I'm constantly praying with a person and I'm constantly always praying and praying and praying and praying, guess what? That is now no longer within my ability to make an impact. So what once once we pray for things, once we pray and we give it over to God, we translate that information to God, we make our request before the Lord. We leave it there with the Lord. There is nothing else that you can do to resolve someone else's choices. A person's actions and reactions and their choices in life is ultimately theirs. And so I wanna talk about, you know, how we continue on when we are influenced by these triggers that pulls you into this negativity this realm of negative influence because that's what it is and so what i would like to talk about is um jesus at the cross it's like when let's let's talk about jesus at the cross jesus at the cross when he was he was at the cross when he had to carry his cross let's talk about jesus carrying his cross Okay. And then we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about Jesus carrying his cross. And also we, we picking up our cross. We have to pick up our cross. Okay. And so here we go. So let's go to John chapter 19 in verse 17 through 42. It says, carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucify him and with him, two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. And Jesus in the middle. So um let's look at let's let's talk about this for a moment. See, when you carry your cross, Jesus is carrying his own cross, and this cross is heavy. Remember, this this cross has to hold up his body. So as a person is, he's carrying this cross. And you have to think about the, the meaning behind carrying your cross. So before I even get into that, because I'm going to look that up in the, um, in the Strong's Concordance, because it's all about being able to be knowledgeable about the things that we're discussing. So... 
Picking up your cross is carrying on the burdens. I'm trying to pull this up and I don't know why this is not. Okay, hold on one second. I was trying to pull up this one thing here. Okay, here we go. So we see that. Okay, let me let, let's look at this. So we're we're looking at um John chapter nineteen and verse seventeen. So picking up your cross, the cross. Looking here in the Strong's Concordance, um, it the Strong's Concordance tells us. The, it gives us the translation of the Bible. Each and every word that's in the Bible is attached to a Strong's number or Strong's word. These can also be translated as a lexicon number or a lexicon word. Um, so in the Bible, we have two different translations. One, the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew scrolls, and the New Testament, which is written in Greek. And we analyze scripture based upon the Strong's Concordance. And so we need interpretation of the Hebrew language and also of the Greek language. And so it's interpreted by hundreds of scholars who practice um, theology and study the word of God. So theology is basically the study of the word of God. And so we have in the first five books of the Bible, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that is considered the Torah, the law. The New Testament, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's considered the Gospels, um, the four Gospels. And that talks about the life of Jesus Christ and his time here on earth. And so um, when Jesus was crucified, he resurrected after the third day. When he resurrected, um, he was on earth for 40 days. So during those 40 days, he ministered to many people that had doubted him, including um, people that believed in him, right? Um, so he ministered to his disciples, including um, Peter. And Peter had betrayed Jesus, actually. And so we see that Jesus made a significant impact for the 40 days he was on earth from the time he resurrected. After the 40th day, he ascended into heaven. 10 days later, he sent the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles. Once that taken, had taken place, they had become drunk with the Holy Spirit. So guess what? We have access to the Holy Spirit because guess what? You receive salvation from Jesus through his blood. So his death on the cross is called a sacrificial death. That means that he sacrificed his life on the cross because of our condemnation to sin so sin was no longer atoned for through the law so the law could no longer provide atonement it could no longer bandage the wrongs that we do internally and and externally and so jesus christ had to die on the cross in order for us to have atonement of our sins and so now we receive salvation through his blood and now we receive access to the Holy Spirit to help condition us in a way that it provides us um, support. So the Holy Spirit supports our journey into righteousness. 
the law couldn't provide us support fully. The law couldn't, the law was not efficient enough. So the blood of Jesus Christ at the cross, that's efficient. The dissension with the, with the Holy Spirit descending upon us, that gives us the ability to be connected with God, with Jesus Christ. So in order to get to the Father, we, we have to come through the Son. So you have the Trinity, the Holy Trinity. is never, ever mentioned in the Bible. It never specifically state the words Holy Trinity, okay? But we know that it exists. We know going back and looking at the book of Genesis, we see that God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So us is a reference to who? The Father, the word, which is the son, which is logos, which means the Christ and the Holy Spirit. So you have the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we can reference the, the Holy Trinity in about 15 different verses in the Bible. I believe approximately 15. And so when we're looking at these verses, we understand that in order to get to the father, you have to come through the son, Jesus Christ. And usually when you have access to Jesus, you have been born again, baptized with the Holy Spirit, right? And so you receive salvation, including grace. And now you have the atonement of, of Jesus Christ's blood that is rectifying your sins, basically wiping away your sins, eradicating them. And then you are able to walk into righteousness through the power of the leading power of the Holy Spirit. And so now looking at the Strong's Concordance, any word that we need to search, anything that we need to find in the Bible, we should be looking it up, literally going back to the root of the word. And so in the Strong's Concordance, if you type a word in, for instance, I just type in the word cross. So the word cross comes up in the Bible, 28 different verses, but it only has one actual meaning. So looking here, we're at John 19, verse 17, which the one that I just read, it says, and he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. Okay. And so let's look at this word cross. So the word cross means a, a post or upright, a pole, right? But figuratively, it's symbolic. It means exposure to death, self-denial, implication, the atonement of Christ. So self-denial. We're gonna we're gonna place, we're gonna emphasize these main points. So this is exposure to death, right? That's what the, figuratively speaking, that means we're, we're analyzing the cross from, um, and we're putting it into an example. That's the figuratively type of approach, right? It's not literally, in literal terms, we would see that it's an actual post or a stake that you sit upright, right? Um, that you, you know, uh, that a person hangs from a pole or a cross. That's literal terms. Figuratively, we're looking at it from what it symbolizes, you know, the context behind the meaning. 
So now we see that the cross is exposure to death. It also symbolizes uh, self-denial. Okay. It also means implication. And it also means atonement of Christ. And so this word here, it is pronounced storos, 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 star, storos. <laughs> this is kind of, this is um kind of different because it's similar to the middle name, my middle name, the way it's spelled. Um, so my middle name is spelled S-T-A-R-U-S. This is spelled S-T-A-U-R-O-S. And so that's some that's some kind of different, you know, it's similar. Um, so when we look at this word, we're gonna look at the exposure to death, right? Putting away the old self. Right, we're looking at this figuratively. So putting away that old person, right? Self-denial. Letting go of the things that keep you in denial. So letting go of these things. Letting go of denial. Um, implications. Accepting your wrongs. Accepting your wrongs. It's simple as that. It's nothing else in between or after. Implication, you're going to accept what is wrong. The atonement of Christ. And then we're going to get the atonement. So I want to, I, I kind of want to like look at this scripture and I know that it's kind of, it's a little long, but it's okay. Cause I want to make sure that the way that I'm delivering this information is well received because see the Holy spirit has led me to discuss this. And so it is so important for us to understand what the cross means. Okay. So now when we read this verse, we can say, okay, I understand what the cross is now. So let's look at John chapter 19, verse 17 again. It says carrying his own cross. So we know that cross is exposure to death. Figuratively. So we're going to put away our old self. Let's put away the old thoughts. Let's put away the, all the negativity that you have every single day. So I want to talk about how I transition from using profanity to not using profanity. So um, I just want to tell this story so that because I, I believe that stories is what connects us. And, you know, our process of change doesn't just happen overnight. So when I was. So when I was 18, I was, I got married when I was 18. And so I went to church with my husband. We went to church five times a week. We went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, Saturday morning. But see, my husband, he did not believe in God. Okay. He was an atheist. So he always talked about how, you know, like, um, you, you know, why we going to church? He would go, he still would go to church with me. And then sometimes he would say, oh, well, I agree with this. Or, you know, I don't agree with that. And I do agree with this. And I don't agree with that. So he always, always made a complaint about going to church. 
And so sometimes if he didn't go with me all, you know, like he may not go with me five times a week. He may just go on Sunday and then, or maybe not Sunday. He may go Sunday night, but I was always in church. And so at the time, my husband, like, uh, he, he really wanted to have like, see, I was all about reading and reading to our kids and, and did, doing fun activities like quality time, um, going to the park, sitting at the park for hours, um, reading to them, always playing like little games, um, setting up alphabets and different stuff like that. So there are so many different activities that requires um, family activity. It requires the uh, engagement from the entire family. So most of the activities that I did with my kids, it was always engaging. Okay. I never like had a television in my house. So at the time, my husband at the time, he purchased this television that was so big. And when he bought this television, I was like, oh my God, like this is going to contaminate our, <laughs> our house. Like, I don't want to sit here and be watching TV. I read to the, our babies and we do family activities and this television is not right. Like, why do you have this television in to influence our family time? And we already, we have fun. We do our alphabets. We do spelling. I, I purchased my baby can read. My kids were like learning letters when they were really young and um we would go outside and we would just go to the park we did a lot of stuff together that required family engagement and so television was a way to you know like i i just feel i've always felt that television is a way that people use utilize television to babysit their kids so i don't believe in televisions babysitting my children for me Okay, I am a mom and I don't want my kids sitting in front of the television all day. Okay, I want to spend time with them. It's all about enjoying family time. And so that's not like how I was pretty consistent that way for, for many years. Okay, and so I did not use profanity. I didn't. Um... And so that was, a, you know, that, that was just how I was when I was a teenager, I always used profanity, but it was like, when I, when I first got pregnant with my daughter and I got married, I did not want to use that type of language around my kids. I didn't. So I don't use profanity. And so overcoming that habit it wasn't something that happened overnight it was like okay you know this is something that i want to be able to maintain and so like i went from like not because when you're cursing you're using profanity it's like okay this is a part of your living this is a part of your lifestyle this is what i this is what you do but when god begins to change part of your life you're not going to be wanting to do those type of things anymore. So for instance, I not only just changed my dress code, but I changed the way I speak. So I no longer wore, wore tops or anything that showed my cleavage at all. Like some, like 
prior to that, I would wear uh, tops that always show my cleavage. Like fitted like stuff that was so promiscuous. And so I thought I was uh, dressing appropriately, but that's not how a married wife is supposed to dress. And so I changed my, my wardrobe. And I also changed my language. And so the television, for me, you know, they have all of these different cartoons and stuff that have so many different influences on children and their growing process. And so I just thought like, oh my God, I don't need the television to teach my kids anything. And so he was like, no, no, no. You know, it's not for the kids. It's really for us. And I'm just like, this. the time that I'm spending with my kids, I don't want to have to sit here and um, think about watching TV. So I know that you're saying it is for us, but most of the time when we're together, it's always me, you, and our kids. And so making that little, that well, I'm not going to say little change, but that big change it was uncomfortable and so what i'm saying is is that when you go from transitioning from being one way to another way it's not going to be an easy process but that's what it means it's kind of like just imagine yourself changing your wardrobe like the way i changed my wardrobe you may not change the type of shoes you wear, for instance. It may take you a year to change the type of shoes you're wearing. It may take some people uh, seven months to six months to change the, 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 the bottoms that they're wearing. Other people may change, take another six months to change the type of shirts or tops you, you wear. But the point of the matter is, is that Picking up your cross, it means exposure to death. Figuratively, that means putting away the old self. So if you were dressed in a certain way this day, try not to do it the next day or the next week or the next month, right? Putting away the old self, it means changing things about yourself right now and not saying okay i'm gonna I'm work on that next week you know no no i'm gonna I'm start going to church you know when i'm when when life is good for me then i'll be ready to go to church but see life will never end up turning good so you will never end up going to church so it's not about you putting off what you need to do right now don't put off what can be done now why are you focusing on what you can do tomorrow when it can be done today so yes i know that if i really want to change my attitude for instance i am a very like i am a, a, a aggressive communicator I'm very bold. But when it comes to talking to my daughter, I am passive. Literally, you would think I am a different person. I just sit there and listen to everything that she says. 
<laughs> and I say, okay, well, how does that make you feel? Why, why am I talking to her this way? Why do, why do I talk to my daughter so passive? Well, guess what? She has a, a high level of emotional intelligence. She's, she's nowhere near remotely similar to my boys. And so some things that I talk to my daughter about, she'll be like, oh, okay, well, mom, I don't, I didn't know that that's what I should do. Like we will talk about her homework when she had a lot of homework, we will try to get everything figured out. And sometimes she would misinterpret what I say. So it's like, okay, it's okay. So when my, my communication now needs to not be at a clear cut logical level. Now I need to be appealing to her emotions. So the language that I use with her isn't going to be the, the clear cut and logical perspective. Like I speak with my sons. It's going to be, okay, so how did that make you feel? And what is it that you feel like you could have done differently? And so what do you plan on doing that'll allow you to feel more inspired? Well, how, how did that make your confidence feel? So my communication with her isn't going to be like the way I have with my sons. Like, okay, hey, son, what's up? How was work? Good, mom. I'm trying to make a lot of money. Okay, what's going on with them smart goals? You know, you need to be making sure that you're implementing that. So what percentage of your smart goals are completed? Ah, uh, you know, I say about... About uh, 55%, Ma. Okay, so what's stopping you from finishing it? You need to get on that. Get on top of that. Soon as possible. Can't be walking around here making excuses. Remember, excuses are permanent. And they are unacceptable. Because when you make excuses, you're making excuses for yourself. Not anyone else. You are the only one that can live your life. So the way I talk to my sons is completely different. And so the reason why I'm saying all of this is to put it here. When we are going through life, there are going to be certain things that we like and we dislike about our levels of change that we have to do. And sometimes we have to adjust our belief systems. And, and many times we need to unlearn a lot of things we need to unlearn what you thought was right so putting away the old self doesn't mean that that you know you're going to be able to do that right away but you're going to adjust it like you adjust your communication style with certain people you're not going to talk to your manager the way you talk to your spouse you're not going to talk to your spouse the way you talk to your manager. You're not going to talk to your kids like the way you talk to a stranger. 
So you adjust your communication. You know, you adjust your communication efforts differently with whoever you're talking to. That's the same way you're going to put off the old self. The same way you adjust that is the same way you're going to adjust. You're putting off the old self. And it may take some time. But guess what? You may wake up and say, okay, look, I, I'm going to get rid of these clothes. And in your, your situation, and it may not be clothes. For instance, it was clothes for me. It was also my language, my communication. So that's why I'm, I was emphasizing clothes and communication because that's something that I had to learn how to adjust. But yours, it could be your friendships. It could be your network. It could be the way you invest. It could be your employment, the way you work with your colleagues. It Whatever goal that you have in putting away the old self, you have to know that it's a journey and it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight, but don't push it off because if you keep saying, oh, you know, I'll get to it next week or I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to try to work on, I'm gonna, I need to do this first before I start making changes. No, start right now today. And I always tell people like, it's not about you just setting these goals and plans for yourself. So think, this is what I tell my kids. How can you change anything in your life if you don't have a plan? When you have a business, you need a business plan for your business to run efficient. You have a plan. So when you're making goals for yourself, you don't verbally make these goals. So like nobody actually ever sticks to verbal goals or mental goals. Oh, I got, I got them in my head. They written down in my head. What you mean they in your head? That's how you're going to have your business plan too. Your business plan going to be in your head. So when you think about investing into your life and making changes of putting away the old self, you have to write things down and stick to your goals. You're investing in yourself. And why not write them down? So the way I do is I write down SMART goals. So you can just get you a SMART goal template, but make sure they SMART goals. That means specific. The S is for specific. The M is for measurable. The A is for achievable. The R is for realistic. And the T is for timely. SMART goals. So like you have a plan for your business, you need to have a plan for your life. Plan out putting away your old self. God, I want to be able to stop using profanity as soon as possible. I want to go to church where I can learn a lot and change my life. God, I want to save $1,000 in six months. God, I want to do this and I want to do that. You, you set these goals and you stick to these goals. You, you make a plan and you write them down and you attach your scriptures to them. So that's the way that I do. And believe me, they are always be accomplished because God is in your goals. 
So picking up your cross is exposure to death, figuratively speaking. You're going to put away that old self. You're not going to push off tomorrow what you can do today. It's starting right now. What are you going to do? You, If you want to change the way you dress, get rid of your wardrobe tonight and throw it out. What is it that you want to change about the way you dress? Pick out your five outfits that you like the best and then work from there. If you start cursing, guess what? You gotta do do set some goals for yourself. Put some money in a in a in a in a uh, jar for every time you curse. Remind yourself, set these rules up. Do, do a reward system for yourself. Put away the old self. Also, self-denial. That's the next thing about picking up your cross. Self-denial. Letting go of denial. Let go of denial. Just let it go. Self-denial. Oh, you know, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for this. Oh, I'm not ready to do that. You know, um, life is just going to be this way because that's just that's just the way life is right now. You know, I just... You, you know, you just have to stay in that bad relationship because that's the only person you know who to stay with. You know, he not going nowhere. She not going anywhere. Okay, so if you know neither one of you all are going anywhere, now you need to be working on your goals. So, for instance, I have a friend that talks about... Him and, and his girlfriend, they don't pray together. They don't pray. The reason why they don't pray together is because they don't want to pray together. So the denial part of this is simply saying that, well, I don't want to pray with him. That's what she told me. And then he's like, well, she doesn't want to pray with me because she thinks that I'm a bad person. Okay, well, she has some things going on. He has some things going on. But this is all denial. This is denial that you need God in your life. So thinking that you could do things on your own without God is a sign of denial. Oh, I could stay in this relationship without God. How does that work? Yes, the Bible says that if your unbelieving spouse chooses to stay, you should stay, right? For the believing spouse sanctifies the marriage. But, but just think about this. Imagine how far you would go if you had someone that is equally yoked as you. So instead of you being 500 steps behind, now you are a thousand steps ahead because you married somebody that's equally yoked. So self-denial, letting go of the things that is preventing you from moving forward in your walk with God, in your walk with Christ. Let go of those things. So, for instance, it was like when I was smoking, I was like, oh, I can't stop smoking. 
I just kept smoking. I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. And then I, so I had to pray. See, a lot of times when you like doing something, it doesn't, you know, like it doesn't, it, you don't want to stop it because you like it. It's like, well, I like smoking. I'm not ready to stop smoking yet. So I pray to God. I'm going to tell you that right now. I say, God, convict my heart of this. I don't want to keep smoking. Convict my heart. Convict my heart every time I smoke. Convict my heart every time I think about smoking. Convict my heart, God. I want to feel guilty about smoking. But it's like, how can you feel guilty about anything when you like doing it? So when it's outside of the scope of your means, you have to call upon the name of the Lord. If you really, really want to do something, God will change it. I'm going to say that again. If you really, 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 really want to change something, God will help you change it. So, smoking. Some people are like, well, what's wrong with smoking? God put weed on this earth. Like, excuse me. You think God, everything that God created, he wants you putting it in your body? Foolishness. People die in Hosea 4 and 6. Because of a lack of knowledge. So let's let's talk about this, right? So when you're smoking, smoking. Now I didn't smoke weed. I I just smoked cigarettes. Okay, but what I'm explaining is marijuana is a big topic, and so smoking marijuana. A lot of people try to justify their means to it, right? But you have to understand that marijuana is a psychedelic. Right. I heard someone say uh, it was a Christian pastor. Um, I believe that he was somehow he was um, like a kingpin or something like I don't know specifically. And I don't remember his name, but he was talking to these young men about marijuana and smoking. And he said, well, marijuana is a psychedelic. So if you're now involved in this psychedelic mind. That means that you have unauthorized access to a spiritual realm that you're not supposed to be in. See, when we look at all of the invisible qualities, the way you survive in this world is through your breath. That's invisible. The air gives you the ability to have oxygen. That's invisible. So you have breath, air, and now you have gravity. That's also invisible. Breath, air, gravity. All invisible. So you survive in this world from invisible qualities. You survive in this world with invisible qualities of God. 
So why is it that you're not focusing on the invisible qualities that's are, that are impacting your life? Your breath comes from invisible quality. It's invisible. Romans 1 and 20. Let's look at that scripture for a moment. Romans 1 and 20. It says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So, why focus on a physical when your entire survival is dependent on the invisible? So let's revert back to that self-denial. Marijuana is a psychedelic. If you are smoking marijuana, you're, you have access to a spiritual realm. You have unauthorized access. That's unauthorization. You're not authorized. So how does the Holy Spirit take residence in you? So if I wake up, I asked, I asked my friend the other day, I say, okay, so how are you praying to God? How often, 24 hours, how often do you pray? He was like, I don't pray. But I know God loves me. I say, okay, yes, God do love you, right? He do. But if you're not talking to him, is it, are you giving God authorization in your life? See, because your free will did not make you robotic. So you're not robotic. God gave you free will. That means that you voluntarily communicate. You voluntarily love others. You voluntarily care about God. You voluntarily pray to him. You voluntarily do these things. Not involuntary. I had to tell another person, I was like, look, I just, I do not, I am not a person of excuses. <laughs> and I, I, I tell you right now that first of all, that doesn't make no sense at all. When people try to scapegoat and blame their actions on other people. Okay. You don't blame anybody for anything. never you let god deal with it i'm telling you so like like you are in control of you like i tell my kids your actions is what you have the power to choose your reactions to people you are in control of that it doesn't matter about what somebody did. You are in control of your actions and reactions. So we will no excuse on no excuse 
zone. Period. With an explanation mark. Exclamation mark. Okay. No excuse zone. Period. And then put dot, 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 and then exclamation mark. Okay. So self-denial, letting go of that denial that is preventing you from having full access to God. You love God voluntarily, not involuntary. God, with none of God's children want to force you to believe in him. None of God's children want to force you to go to church either. Nobody. When you say you don't want to go, okay, that's fine. You know why? Because God is going to deal with that. So at the beginning of this podcast, I talked about how once we pray, we no longer can have impact in that situation in a way where we are governing governing that person's choices once we pray about something we give it to god so that's letting go of denial let go of the fact that you don't have control of this situation you don't have control of that person's actions or reactions you don't have control over anyone For me going through, like, when my first marriage, I went through, like, abuse and stuff. It was, like, real tripped out because, like, anybody that that I seen that was controlling, I just did not feel like, I just did not deal with it. That control. But, see, control doesn't start off with control. There's a series of events that take place. But I'm not going to talk about seeing when it's birth to seeing when it's full grown because you have to understand that our ideas our belief system it is birthed into our minds and then it becomes full grown so for instance infidelity in a marriage see cheating didn't just start out as okay i just want you and now i'm going to cheat on my husband with you that isn't the way that it normally works i'm talking about normal sin from that is birth to full grown a person's ideas begin to formulate in their mind and then all of a sudden now they're producing these characteristics that, oh, okay, well, this is okay for me to take my co-worker out on the date. Oh, it's okay for you to lie to your wife this time. Oh, it's okay for you to lie uh, and, and about where you're spending the night at now. So it's a series of events. So, for instance, it, it may be okay for some women... They, they believe now, don't get me wrong, everybody love their grandparents. I know I, I know I did. All of my grandparents are deceased. My grandfather just passed away last year and he was 83 years old. But the point of the matter is this. When sin is birthed to when sin becomes full grown, 
That's when people don't shift or change their belief systems. Because now what you believe is, it's like, uh-uh, you, you're not going to change my thoughts on this. It's kind of like if you were an expert in construction. And then all of a sudden, somebody's trying to tell you how to cut a two-by-four and, and, and build it and put it in the wall. I don't know. You know, just whatever construction workers do. But somebody's trying to tell you how to put up drywall. You're like, well, wait, wait now. I know this. I'm an expert. I don't need you telling me how to put up drywall. That's because your expert level, you've been doing it so long. Now it's like, it's full grown in you. You are the expert. So now that this person want to tell you how to put up drywall, they're not trying to tell you how to do it. They're trying to tell you a more efficient technique. But since you're the expert, you didn't want to listen to an efficient technique. So how do we work this out? We work this out by saying, look, it doesn't matter how much of an expert I feel that I am. It doesn't matter how experienced I am. It doesn't matter what I thought, what my grandma taught me, what my friends said, what my parents said. When God say that this was wrong information that you've been doing, this is wrong. It's wrong. So that means it's time to unlearn what you thought was okay. So your grandmother, yes, yeah, she probably do have very good advice and no one is disputing her excellent cooking skills. But guess what? Your grandma, they had eight different baby daddies. Not one single husband. So what makes you think that that's okay? It's like, okay, grandma, love, love your advice. But I cannot take marriage advice from an unmarried person with eight kids, with eight different men. So we have to unlearn things that we thought was right. That isn't right. That isn't the correct belief system. Get out of denial. Understand that that was the wrong teaching that you learned. Because God said what? The head of every man is Christ. And the head of every woman is man. So that's just simple as that. And you know, so like if we're going to pick up our cross, we have to let go of the things that causes us denial. So exposure to death, putting away the old self, self-denial, letting go of those denials unlearning behaviors the next thing about picking up your cross is implication accepting your wrongs it's like okay look listen i i'm gonna be honest i was so busy at work and school that i did not have time for nothing i went to work at I literally went to work at, um, I get up at six something in the morning. I be, I will be at work at eight o'clock on the dot.
I get off work at 5 p.m. I go to school from 5.30 p.m. to 9.45 p.m. Monday through Thursday. Friday, I just work. Saturday and Sunday, I, at this point of my life, all I was doing was working and going to school and doing homework. I get home every day about 10.30, 10.45 at night. So I leave out about 7.15. And I don't make it home to about 10, 10, 10.45, 10 something. 10.45, the latest. So it's work, school, homework. Work, school, homework. So when my husband, you know, demanding my time, specifically, you know, sexual intimacy, it's like, well, wait, wait, wait. I'm sleep deprived. If you want to go find a girl, you can have you a girlfriend. I don't have time. So a lot of women, they say, oh, well, you know, um, cheating. My husband can't cheat on me. My husband, cheating is like, oh my God, it's the end of the world. It's like, well, wait, wait, I need another woman to come in and accommodate my husband, please. I don't have time for him. So I don't know what type of life a lot of people were living, but I know the life that I was living is like, okay, well, ha, well, if, if, if he wants to go and sleep with that woman, it's fine with me. Now, I have to get some sleep. But if you cheat on me now, I got a problem with that. Because now you you already had a, a go where it's like, so why are you cheating? You don't have to cheat. So what I mean by cheating, that means that you lied to me. You don't have to lie to me. So like for me, polygamy, polygamy is, was, is not a big deal. So I had to learn that. I, I had to unlearn that polygamy is not good in a marriage. So you look in the Bible, the Bible talks about polygamy. And, and so I've already talked about polygamy. I'm not going to get into the details about polygamy, but you can look on the podcast, Women's Health, and you'll be able to see for uh, the entire podcast where I discuss polygamy. But polygamy is wrong. We see that throughout scripture, that nothing good comes from the people that engages in polygamy. We see this with um, the, with, with Haggai, with Sarah's servant, right? Her and Abraham and Ishmael. Um, we see this with Leah and also uh, Rachel, which is Jacob's wives, right? Um, so it's a consistency. It's problems that come around from that. May not be from the main wife, you know, or it, it doesn't really matter. It's just problems that come along with it. So um, just going back to this, you we have to be able to accept our wrongs. And so with me giving you that little snippet, that story of my life, right? Because it's important for me to communicate in a way where I'm not... I'm not trying to say I'm better than anybody because I've been through the trenches. I've been through a lot of stuff in my life. So 
I've overcome through Christ because it's his glory that allowed me to be where I am today. So when I think about implication, meaning accepting your wrongs, it's like, okay, well, I wasn't, was I really a good wife? Probably not. Never made time for my marriage. Including the, including my kids, right? Did I make time for my son? No. I was always gone. So when I think about these things, I, I, I just say to myself that I was wrong for not being available when I needed to be available. And so I deal with that. And then I say, okay, so I, I, I can't, I can't revert time. So time doesn't reverse. But what I do know is I can move forward. So it isn't about like, for instance, with my children, when I'm, I'm discussing certain things and going through a lot of things with them, because my older children, they were pretty much, they were basically raised by their father. They did. And so as a parent, it is difficult when you're, when I'm having to talk to my children about, okay, well, you know, I know I wasn't, I wasn't available when you needed me. So like you feel this sort of, you feel like, con you feel condemnation. Like, oh my God, I was just like, I was wrong. I should have been there. Like there is nothing that I can go back and do to reverse time. Now, are my successes high? Yes. I pretty much can get any type of job I want. It's just my attitude with certain things. I won't work a certain place. It's certain things that I'm unwilling to do. So like I'm I know that I, I'm I'm working in other areas of my life where I need to improve in order for me to be more efficient as an employee or a business owner. Cause really my goal is not to work for anyone. I want to make sure that my business prospers. Because I have a, this corporation that I really would like to help a lot of people. But there is a process. And so just reflecting back on my kids is like, yes, I still do have goals. And I, I love my children. And yes, they're integrated in many aspects of my life. But, you know, now that I wasn't there like the way they needed me to be, we aren't as like close as we should. So, you know, it, it can sometimes be, you know, a painful experience when you think about accepting your wrongs. But I go to God and I say, God, you know, I made mistakes in my life and, you know, there is no way I can reverse back time. So God just tells, God tells us to go at the place you are at right now in your life.
And this is about picking. This is still on the cross. Cross is your exposure to death, uh, which is putting away the old self. Self-denial, letting go of all of those things that you need to unlearn. Implication, accepting your wrongs. You don't have to feel condemned. For instance, I, I have to start where I'm at. We have to start where we are at. And so that's how I continue to build with my children over and over. I build more and more and more and more. And so we start where we are. We include God in our journey. We understand that our wrongs, it, it's not just a healing process for the people that we've impacted, but it's also a healing process for ourselves. Because sometimes you, you've impacted people by your lack of quality time. For me, it's a lack of quality time of not being available. Not being there the way that I should. So when I think about all of these things, it's like, okay, so when you're wrong, God wants you to heal from these things. So healing isn't a process just for the others that are in, impacted, but healing also is required on yourself. You have to accept that God has forgiven you. Acceptance is the first foundation to change. Acknowledgement. It isn't about, you know, like, okay, let me just go get a drink because see, now I'm free this weekend. So I'm just going to get drunk the whole weekend. And then on Monday, I'm going to get back to work. See, that's the way that I used to like, deal with my problems like let me just go get drunk okay i need to like numbness and i just want to get drunk okay drink a whole bunch of wine i'm a i was a wine connoisseur let me get some more wine some more wine more wine more wine me please more wine Because now my daughter is mad at me. Let me drink some more wine. So it's like, okay, you know, the wine isn't going to initiate a, a accomplishment or resolve anything. So many times when we're going through these um uh issues of accepting our wrongs we attach them to other things that are, aren't going to be beneficial to our success success so your your recovery because when you are wrong about things there's a process of recovery so it's like okay so i am i i feel wrong about it and it's like now I just want to I just want to do everything they want me to do. But then God said, "No. 
He said that you're going to go through this process. And so when we attach our wrongs to other forms of uh, sin, because alcoholism is a sin, it's damaging the body. How can the Holy Spirit take residence inside of us when we're elevated? Now, the Holy Spirit, I could tell you that the, the Holy Spirit will still speak. I tell you that. But see, God is always tugging at our hearts. He's chasing us with our love. He uses people. He talks to other. He talks to others to speak to us. God is always directly and indirectly communicating with us all the time. It doesn't matter if you're inebriated. If you're inebriated, which is drunk, or if you're high, you still go to the throne and you talk to God just as you are. I had long discussions with God and I've been a drunk three bottles of wine. We like, God, I need you. God, talk to me. I need your help, Lord. So if you drunk, quit saying, oh, I can't talk to God when I'm drunk. I'm going to talk to God if I'm drunk or if I'm not drunk. That's the only one that can help me get undrunk, okay? Talk to God when you have. Otherwise, when are you going to get sober? You, you, you can't even stay sober long enough to talk to God. So what? When, when do that happen? In a year? It's like, oh, no. See, I got to get my life together before I talk to God. No, 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 no. You need to get your life together with God. Not waiting. No, no, no. Because, see, you're going you gonna to smoke weed all day, every day. When are you sober? When you use the restroom? That's it. So we we have to we have to be um accepting of our wrongs and, and go to God with it. Even when we're wrong, right then and there. I'm I'm coming to you as I am, God. Because see, you can't change on your own free will. You talking about, oh, see, I'm going I'm to just give me a few months. See, I'm going I'm to I'm change and then I'll be ready. No, 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 no. It's not about you no few months. You, you go now. So we don't put off the things that we need to do right now. Just remember that in your mind when you're accepting your wrongs. It's like, okay, I have to deal with this now. I can't put it off. This is an urgency. My life is an urgency to God. God keeps sending people in my life. God keeps sending these people to speak to me. God keep, you know, chasing me. I can't keep putting it off. Because God, apparently, you know, like God wants me to see. So that's the cross. And the, the cross also means the atonement of Christ. So I already explained the atonement. That's, that's our 
ability to receive salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. So that's the cross. So when we look here in John chapter 19, verses 17 through 42, it says carrying his own cross. When you hear about this in the scriptures and you're reading it, carrying your cross is exposure to death, putting away that old self, self-denial, letting go of things you need to unlearn. Implication, accepting your wrongs. The next is atonement of, of, of Christ. So you are forgiven. Knowing that you are forgiven because he died for you. That's the thing that a lot of people don't seem to understand. It's like, wait, wait. You are forgiven. So carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of skull, which is a um Aramaic. It's called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of Jews. So I want to um I want to place emphasis on this. So we see who Pilate is, the Roman, right? You better believe that he had an account of the events in the Bible. So when people are always talking about the lost books and this book and that book, you have to understand that when people are wrong, they always want to justify their means. They want to explain why they did what they did. Well, see, I did this because you did that. Did nobody ask you that? Right is right and wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter about who's right. I'm wrong. You wrong. We both wrong. So just remember that when you're trying to atone, that God forgives you. But he has given us his word in the Bible. And you have to ask yourself, how much of the word of God are you practicing? How much of the word of God are you allowing to change your life and inspire you? So how you need any more else? How, how do you need more that's not there anyway? The Bible is the number one bestseller in the world. It has always been. God allowed that to take place. Why do you think? So, so we see that, that this is what Pilate, he had uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of Jews. Many of the Jews re read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of Jews, but that, but that this man claimed to be the king of Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. So he, he believed that he was the king of Jews. So you have to understand that even though he wrote this, 
He wrote King of Jews. The, he wrote the Jesus of Nazareth, the King of Jews. He wrote this on the cross. So that means that he believed it, but he didn't really do too much to interfere with the chief priest was talking about. The chief priest of the Jews. So even though he had a strong influence, it doesn't matter about the people that's out here in this world that's influencing. We have censored. People are being censored. I literally, okay, let me explain this. I'm, I know I'm not the only person. But we have like over a over like a couple million readers that won't even show on our timeline, but it show on the on the analysis. The problem is, is that society have leaders that are always gonna want to shape the story. And so you see Pilate is right here. He, he wrote the Jesus of Nazareth, the King of Jews. And then he tells the chief priest, what I have written, I have written. But he don't do nothing about to intervene. So you have to understand that some people in this world, they have a strong influence. And they will do nothing about anything to intervene when it's within their means to intervene. <coughs> excuse me they have the power to intervene they have the power to change the trajectory of things Pilates had the power to change all of this but see it wasn't it, it wasn't meant for him to do that because it was meant for Jesus to die on the cross so what we have to understand is what's happening in this world has already been prophesied in the Bible. And this is why I keep looking at Hosea chapter four and verse six, because what God was telling me in this, in this verse is this is prophetic as well. See, people are thinking like, okay, it, this verse says Hosea four and six, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. What God is saying, this is what God is saying here. That the people that don't acknowledge God for who he is and what he's saying... God is going to forget them, including their children. So this is generational. That means that's a generational curse. People are walking around here not having information because guess what? They choose ignorance. God, God explained to me, because like I was so so like adamant about helping people it's so important to help people god what is wrong with these people in this world that they don't want to help like the needy 
And so, so God, God said, look, they are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. It doesn't matter about the leaders. The leaders cannot stop you from picking up a book. The leaders cannot stop you from understanding that God created all these invisible qualities. These leaders cannot stop you from seeing prophecy being fulfilled and God's children speaking about it internationally and nationally. This is literally been written in the Bible. And it's all coming to pass. Leaders can't stop you from seeing prophecy get fulfilled. No person can stop you from saying what the Bible is saying is coming to pass. It's already in for and it's already happening right now. Nobody can stop you from saying these things. Nobody can stop you from reading. You have access to the internet. The internet tells you exactly what it says. When you type in biblical prophecy, you could just type in how many biblical prophecies has been fulfilled. So if you don't choose to do that, but you choose to roll up a blunt and smoke it, then you are a part of this prophetic word. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Oh, well, God, see, we didn't know this and we didn't know that. Uh, Romans 1 and 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. We are without excuse. So God is making me more accountable. It's like, okay, uh-uh. See, I, I don't I don't want to be fornicating. Absolutely not. I don't want to get married. I you no, 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 no. That that is I don't want to be married to the wrong person. I'm not gonna be pressured into some marriage. When I'm spending the rest of my life with the right man of God. So we see that people are without excuse. That's what it means. People are without excuse. So I can't be made. If, if God come back right now, what does that mean? Are we ready? See, we talking about burning in a lake of fire. It isn't about fear. It's really about, okay, where do I want to spend eternity? So I think about heaven. I think about, is it a real garden in heaven too? How are the plants in heaven? Do plant could plants talk in heaven? I wonder, do plants talk in heaven? Since Jesus said there's so many mansions in heaven, it's like, 
Is it like how many levels of these mansions are in heaven? Because there are certain levels that people have in heaven. So are the mansions shared amongst like a certain level? Do you have to be at like a certain level? So I'm going to explain this. God, he wants us to set our minds on heavenly things. So that means I don't want nobody calling me all day talking about bad stuff. There is only so much negative news that I will listen to and watch. And that, it, that has to be a combination of a certain amount of time. I will spend... 30, 45 minutes at the max of my day watching this stuff and hearing it. I don't want to hear it. Because my man is not on that. My man is on heavenly stuff. I'm not thinking about, oh, uh, this person because she said this and he did that. And so she was mad. And so she left. And now she been gone. She took the car because, you know, like she been gone for three days and now he, she mad. Like, I, I, what's the solution now? Because if you're not talking in solution, what, what are you talking about? You telling me I'm, I'm supposed to sit here and listen to the problem. No. We are supposed to get counseling. I am not your counselor. I'm in counseling myself for school. For the things that I go through in school, I'm in counseling. Okay? I need somebody to talk to for counseling. And the whole time, I talk the whole time in counseling about every single thing I go through every weekend in school. It's becoming, it's a stressful situation. And I pray to God and I know that I'm depending on God. But I'll tell you one thing. I have a counselor to talk to too. Because I'm not going to put my burdens off on other people. I talk to God and now I have the ability to let it off of my chest when I talk to God and when I talk to my counselor. So I talk about everything that bothers me at school because it's so much information. It's like, okay, well, wait, wait, she said this and, and you know, this, this will happen this week. And so they didn't do this. And now this is going, it's like constant, constant, constant. It's starting to be like, to me, it's starting to feel like, it's starting to feel like it's unreal. It's sort of unreal of some of the things that I'm going through and hearing. And it is really like, <laughs> when I tell you a counselor will help because see, faith without works is dead. Yes, you talk to God. But God, if you need to talk to somebody here on earth, you talk to you a counselor. There's nothing wrong with getting the help that you need. My counselor, all she does is sit there and listen to me and I get everything out. I tell her everything that's going on in school. And we talk about it. We demystify information to break down concepts that I have and different perceptions that I feel that I'm, I'm having with this unreal situation that's constantly going on in school.
It's like, how do I continue to go on at this rate? So I want to, um, let's look at Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24 and 26. Okay. And so this will be the last verse for tonight. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 26. It says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, remember what cross is. We're going to put away the old self. Let go of, of the things that causes us denial. Unlearn some things. Accept your wrongs. So exposure to death, self-denial, and implication. We're going to pick up our cross and follow him. In verse 25, it says, For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? See, this is already written. Some people like, like for me, okay, so today I, I was looking at a, a video of joe rogan and elon musk now I, I i actually really like elon musk he has some very innovative ideas i love the way he um discusses um you know the future of maintaining the first amendment and also just being able to reflect on a lot of different topics so he has this wide range of intellect that he talks about and that's quite interesting, actually. And so I see Joe Rogan, which is not... See, Joe Rogan is so subjective. And I really, really do not... I have a very wide range of people that I listen to and um, I adhere to. And whenever there is a lot of subjectivity, meaning there is a lot of biases and there's no room for interpretation is no room for objectivity. I don't like listening to him. So I had one of my friends, he actually has sent me a, uh, he sent me an email. Well, like a message in messenger. And he says, look, he says, this will be interesting. I'm like, why are you sending me stuff about Joe Rogan? Like, I don't listen to Joe Rogan. Okay. He's so biased. I don't like this subjectivity. He's always like, ah, it's just like one one-sided perspective. And I that's not how I think. God didn't create my mind to be intellectually one-sided. So my mind, God broadens the scope of my thinking. Because see, I'm not thinking from my own single-mindedness. I, I take the perspective of God with me on my journey. So like I'm always utilizing the Holy Spirit to allow me to see things, not just from my perspective, but from God's perspective. So I can't be subjective just because I may have this stance on something that like, okay, well, it makes sense to me, but when I dive deeper and start communicating with God about things, God gives me a different perspective. 
So I, I, I don't have the ability to be too subjective unless it's coming from the word of God, because God's word is his authoritarian word, his authoritative word. So yes, I'm subjective with my spirituality and my spiritual beliefs and my walk with Christ. But when it comes to other outlets of um, intellect and, and certain subjects, I have the ability to be very objective. And so since I'm a conservative libertarian, it is like <laughs> I can sometimes irritate Democrats and also Republicans. So I'm always literally being challenged in many different areas from both Democrats and also Republicans. I'm always challenged. That's neither here nor there. I just wanted to explain that I like listening to people who are very objective. And so when they're not, it's it's just very difficult. And then so you don't see too much objectivity in the world. All right. And it's hard to decipher in the um you you know for some people to be distinct in in the area of objectivity and so the issue is so i see joe rogan and joe rogan is interviewing elon musk and i'm like oh my god could he not think of better questions to ask than what he's asking so i immediately became disinterested because i'm like well wait a minute so Elon Musk shows up on his podcast and Joe Rogan has on a blonde wig. I'm like, wait a minute. So Elon Musk should have told him to put on some leggings too if he was going to make a fool of himself like that. But <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have been looking at it because now my mind is like, okay, God, please forgive me for thinking negatively like that about Joe Rogan. But I mean, he's a man. You'll do anything that another man tells you to do, such as putting on a blonde wig so you could be laughed at. Now, I know it could have just been a joke, but where is your ethics and values? I don't know. Like the things that some people will do for money, the things that some people will do for profit is beyond my level of understanding. I don't try to figure that out. I leave that in the hands of the Lord because he's the one that is our ultimate judge. But when I think about this verse here in Matthew 16 and verse 26, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So what about these behaviors that we do every single day that we compromise see compromising is a different topic maybe i'll talk about compromising on thursday but in order to transition smoothly in it i want to talk about this for a second because i have about 10 minutes left 11 minutes so when we look at the fact that there are a lot of people that make these compromises when instead of them picking up their cross and following God, we pick up, we pick up our cross and we hold on to this stuff. We hold on to our old self. Like, uh, uh-uh, I'm not ready to change it. I'm not ready to put away my old self. Like the way I didn't want to put away the smoking 
or you know the profanity it took a, it was a process but that process is it was just as simple as adjusting language to the same way i adjust language with talking to my kids and talking to people that's how easy it was to let go of profanity so instead of us like letting go of the things we need to unlearn Oh, it's okay to cheat. It's okay to stay in a relationship with a man for 10 years and he not put a ring on your finger and marry you. Because see, marriage, it don't matter to the world. But see, it matters to God. I'm going to say that again for the, you know, for whoever couldn't hear it. See, marriage don't matter to the world. But it matters to God. So what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? You don't want to put away the old self. You don't want to unlearn things. So you're going to stay in that relationship for another 10 years without getting married. Because the guilt of sin is not attached to your heart. You don't feel guilty for doing certain things. Like I didn't feel guilty about smoking until I said, God, convict my heart. Make me feel guilty every time I smoke. <clears throat> so we keep doing stuff because we feel that we want to hold on to our cross. We ain't going to follow, you're not, no, not going to follow God. You're just going to pick up the cross and just like, look, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep the same person I am and the same person I'm going to be. But you could lay in the bed with the man for 10 years and not get married and justify it. But you, do you believe in God? If you believe in God, then you know that God honors marriage. So when I hear, like my mom, she used to always be like, uh-uh, see, I'm not, can't no man tell me what to do. Well, I don't think no man wants to marry a woman. He can't tell what to do. Have you thought about that's why maybe you're not married? So we... If you we believe in God, we have to start doing the things that God tells us to do. So I tell you right now to struggle, struggle, struggle for me was sex, sexual intimacy. It's like, well, wait, okay, so I could do all these things, and now, like. How am I not strong? Wait, 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 wait. God, convict my heart. See, because I'm going to use what works. If you keep doing something that's not working in your walk with Christ, it's not working and changing your life, why do you keep doing it and you expecting something different to happen? 
In order for you to be exposed to something new, you have to change and do something new. See what God said, like, like if you if you're with somebody 10 years, you could be stopping them from marrying the person who God has for them. Because if you accept the fact that marriage is not a requirement, then when will you ever do it? So for instance, like I, I tell people all the time, like I'm not really like I, I was always attracted to women. And I've slept with women. But God doesn't want me to sleep with women with women. God used my God used someone that I know to constantly tell me, like, look, you're God don't want you doing this. God don't want you being with a woman. You are a woman. Women are not supposed to be with women. So as much as I, you know, like I, I, I did like this one girl, but she really wanted a, a like a dedicated commitment in a relationship. She wanted to be in a full relationship. And it was to the point where it was stalking. She was stalking me. And so what I'm saying is, it's like we have to understand that the Bible tells us in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and 3 that for the head of, I want you to, uh, to know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is man and the head of Christ is God. So no matter how much I want a woman, how much I did want the woman, there was no way that I would violate my principles in my relationship with God. And I didn't never do it. I never been in a relationship with a woman, even though I slept with quite a few women. So the point of the matter is, is that when God tells us something, that word, God's word stayed in my heart. Because God said, look, you can't, you did, you cannot be with a woman. And I was strongly considering it. She was like, well, when I'm going to meet your kids, we've been talking now for three years. I'm like, never, I can never do that. You're not even going to act right. So I, you know, like I, it, it wasn't. It, it, it wasn't that I didn't care about her. It wasn't that I didn't love her. It wasn't any of that. It was that I did not want to violate my relationship with God. And I know that sounds ambiguous too. It's like, well, wait a minute. You sleeping with a woman and you, not, you don't think you violating already. Yes. I wasn't in a relationship. I could not commit because see that, that next step of commitment would have led to full-blown sin. Next, it could have been, when are we going to get married? See, it's like, 
one step to the next step. Now you going from this sin, level one sin, to level two sin. Now you at level three sin. When are we going to get married, babe? Just forget everything that God said in the word, huh? Well, God know that we were going to mess up. No. See, God wants us to have control of our desires. You unlearn how to let go. That means that the, the part of your cross of self-denial, you're letting go of things that you need to unlearn. I needed to unlearn how not to look at a woman lustfully. I had to unlearn how not to think of a woman to be with her and, and him. So the, these thoughts was something that needs to be eradicated. So in order to do that, I had to constantly say, God, I take my thoughts into captivity. God, I, I don't, I know I can't do this. I know I'm not supposed to be with a woman. I know it. So all I'm trying to say is that we all are going through things. We're just at different levels. Let's encourage, inspire, and uplift each other to the point where we are helping each other pick up our cross so that we can put away our old self. Let go and unlearn things that we need to and accept the wrongs and, and get our healing that we need in order to accept the wrongs. So we pick up our cross and we follow God. Even when our desires tell us something else. See, I'm not telling you something that I didn't do. And it, it, it's still a process. It's still a journey. So I'm at the two hour mark. Okay, everybody, let me go ahead and end for tonight. I will see you all on Thursday. Um, so Wednesday, I'm closed, actually. And so let me go ahead and pray. So, Father God, we come boldly before your throne. We thank you so much for giving us your word today. Thank you for allowing me to, you know, share in, in my testimony and how you have redirected my life and your glory have been fulfilled. God, I thank you so much for just using me. I pray that you will allow us to have more of you. I pray that you will allow us to choose you and pick up our cross in a way where we will put away our old self. Let go of the things that we need to unlearn and also accept our wrongs so that we can get healing in order for us to move forward in our walk of righteousness, God. It's a process. And so, God, we ask that you just please allow us to unlearn the things that are necessary. Let us unlearn everything that we need to so that we can be more obedient to you, God. We don't want to just be obedient. We want to provide you with joy. So we thank you, God, for listening to us. We thank you for favor. We thank you for your love, mercy, and grace. We ask that you give us a double portion of your love, mercy, and grace. That you give us divine intervention for any and all the things that we need to do in order for us to move forward and to have the peace that is needed in order to accomplish the things that you want accomplished for us, God. We ask that you allow us to live abundance and have prosperity and financial stability. In addition to being able to communicate whatever it is that we need, God, let us talk to you. Let us, let us come to your throne. 
And so, God, we ask that you convict our hearts for any and everything that's inside of us that offends you, that displeases you, God. Convict our hearts until we turn away from it. Replace it with those things that is pleasing to you, obedient to you, and that also will give you joy. God, please supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. But most importantly, God, we ask that you allow your will to be done in our life, not our will or anyone else's, but yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is still in your atonement blood. Amen. Thank you all so much.